Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. When God pours out His Spirit, He's pouring out His heart. And God has poured out his heart abundantly on the earth. Now it's just a matter of receiving. With God, everything's about receiving. It's not about trying to get him to do anything. It's not about trying to get God to bless us and pour himself out on us and do something for us. No, it's about us just believing how, of how good he is and receiving of this great outpouring of his love. And when we're talking about receiving his love, we're talking about receiving his provision. We're talking about receiving his help. Because God is not just a God of words, he's a God of action. He's a God of power. So if he says he loves you, he does something about it. He does something about it. He doesn't, sit, he doesn't see you there in a terrible condition, in a terrible place, and say, well, just know that I love you. And, uh, but I'm just not going to do anything for you right now. When you get to heaven, I'll make it up to you. No, God cares about your life in this world just as much as he cares about your life in heaven. And we know that because of the scriptures. For one, Jesus said that we should pray, Father, thy will be done on as it is, on earth as it is in heaven. So God doesn't have two separate wills, one for those on earth and one for those in heaven. His will for those on earth is the same for those in heaven as it is in heaven, so let it be right here on earth for us. You say, well, why isn't it like that? Because we haven't learned to receive the fullness of the love of God, the help of God, the strength of God into our life. We've got this thing called doubt and unbelief. We've got sin. We've got things. There's a rebellion here on the earth that clouds our view of God, our understanding of Him, our understanding of His love. And it's so sad because there's even a lot of folks out, you know, teaching that, you know, this God does this. He, he causes people to be sick, you know, because He's trying to teach them something. How many people know we would arrest a parent who afflicted their child with some kind of disease. We would arrest them because we know it's not good. It's not good. God is good. God don't afflict people. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus never went around afflicting people. He didn't go around with needles and sticking people with viruses, with sicknesses. No, there's an enemy. There's an enemy that's been empowered. I'm talking about the devil. He's been empowered by man's sin and man's ignorance. That has given the devil place to wreak havoc in the earth. But we're learning about God. We're learning the truth about him from the word that he has given us. And the example of Jesus Christ. That's how we're understanding how God operates, who he is, what he does. We're looking at Jesus. We're looking at the Bible. We're looking at the Word of God. And we're seeing He is just so good. And if we'll just believe, there's nothing He wouldn't do for us. There's nothing He wouldn't do through us. Time and time again, Jesus 
And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Time and time again, he'd say to people that were suffering terribly. He would say, only believe and you'll be healed. Only believe, you'll be made whole. Only believe and it'll all be better. Just believe, just get in faith. And as many as believed in him, man, they were healed. They were delivered. They were set free. The ones that were healed and delivered were the ones that believed. Do we have any believers in the house this morning? Praise God. He said, those who believe will be saved. Those who believe. He said, those who don't believe will be condemned, will be damned. So you can see right there, it's all about our believing. How well are we believing? I want to become excellent in believing. I mean, I'm just so done with doubting. I don't want to, I, I pray that every day, Lord, I don't want to doubt you. I don't, I don't want to limit you. I don't want to limit you. I don't want to get in your way. And that's really the truth. It's, it's more of us getting in God's way than God holding back things from us. We're getting in his way by going another way. By going a way that's contrary to him. And so by doing that, we're resisting him, and we're making, it, we're making it difficult for us to be able to receive from him. That's what he says over in James chapter 1. He says, when you pray, make sure you ask, how? In faith. James 1, verse 6. He says, but let him ask in faith. With no doubting. That's the challenge. That's the challenge. No doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Have you ever felt that way? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wind tossed, driven, pushed around. He says, that's all the result of doubting. That's not God's will. That's not, that's, that's not the result of God moving in our life, you know, trying to help us. Well, he's trying to help us. You know, he works in mysterious ways. Sometimes he'll bring a good windstorm in and he'll just knock you over. Sometimes he'll just, he'll just come in with a flood and just wash you away. You know, it's just amazing what God will do. He's just so good. No. Uh-uh, Fred. What's, what causes people, what causes people to be tossed to and fro? Doubt. Is doubt God's, us doubting God, is that God's fault? Is it God's will for you to doubt? No, it's not God's will for you to doubt. God's desire is for you to believe. Believe what he says. Believe in him without doubting. No reservations, no limitations, just a reckless abandonment, just jumping over believing, just jumping overboard believing. Well, we see that with Peter, don't we? There was a windstorm that was tossing their boat around, and it was late in the middle of the night, and Jesus came to them walking on the water. And Peter and the rest of the disciples saw him, and they thought it was a ghost. So they cried out for fear. But Jesus said, be a good cheer. 
It is I. Do not be afraid. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus will do to your fear. He'll turn it into cheer. Instead of you fearing and fretting and and being all worried, praise God, he wants to get you over into praising. He wants to get you over into shouting and cheering. That's, That's where he wants us to be. He doesn't want us over here in worrying. That's why as soon as he got up to where they were and he saw that they were fearful, he cried out to them. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Be of good cheer. Ha ha. Hallelujah. Be a good cheer. That's what he says to you. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Be of good cheer. So they settled down real quick. And especially Peter. I mean, Peter went from, it's a ghost. Oh my. Oh my. We're all going to perish. It's a ghost. Oh. He went from that to Jesus just saying a couple things. Fear not. Be a good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Be a good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Just those words from Jesus knocked all that. Think about this. Knocked all that fear off of Peter. I'm telling you, one word from God can change your life forever. I'm telling you, you're in the right place this morning. I mean, you're, you are set up to hear the words of God. And what does it do? It imparts faith to you. Storm overcoming faith. World conquering faith. No, oh, hallelujah. It'll cause you to go from depression to celebration. It'll cause you to go from fear to good cheer. Ooh, just that quick. Just that quick. Let it work. Let it work. I don't care how long you've been walking around in fear and depression and doubt and misery. Let it happen. Let it change. Let it change in a moment. See, a lot of folks say, well, it doesn't seem right for me to just go from cheer so fast. You know, I mean, I've had these problems for so long. I mean, I need a psychiatrist. You understand, I need somebody, I need to work through this thing. I mean, this is going to take some time to get through. You've got to understand, you know, things just don't change overnight. No, they can change in a moment. When, it's, when we're talking about the Word of God, it can change in a moment. Oh, hallelujah. Be a good cheer. It is I. Peter went from fearing it was a ghost and they're all going to die out at sea to saying, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you on the water. I want to walk on the water. How do you go from wanting to run down in the cabin and hide from the ghost on a stormy, stormy night to saying, Bid me to come. Let me come out there and walk on the water with you. How does, how does a man change like that? The words of Jesus. The words of Jesus. Why? Because the Bible says the entrance of his word gives light. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Some people think they got to just like, I mean, read through the whole Bible before they get a little faith. Oh, you got to look down. It says, in the beginning, God. Ooh, hallelujah. You mean I didn't evolve from sea monkeys? Oh, man. God. I mean, don't, it just doesn't take much. 
Just let the word work. Let the word have that kind of effect on you. Let it have that kind of effect. In other words, yield to it. You kind of yield to it. A lot of folks, they just sit down on it. You know, they get something good and they'll just sit there. Just sit there. No, yield to it. If it's good news, act like you're hearing good news. You know? If it's affecting you and you want to get emotional about it, go ahead. If you're just sitting there going, I'd really like to shout amen. You can do it. You're among friends. You know, I just think like of a steam kettle, you know. You keep that thing on the heat and the water starts to boiling in there. That, that faith starts to get to boiling on the inside of you. You get to whistling. Hallelujah, you get to whistling. Then you get to shouting. That everybody's got to come running in there and turn that thing down. But Peter, he said, Lord, let me come to you walking on the water. And Jesus said one word, come. That one word, come, turned Peter into a water walker like Jesus. Come on, somebody. He started walking on the water just like Jesus because Jesus said one word to him, come. And he went out there and he walked on the water. When he got his eyes off Jesus, we know what happened. And he got his eyes off. Jesus started looking at the wind and the waves, and they started getting kicked up and howling, and, and he began to sink. But Jesus reached out, pulled him back up onto his feet on the water, and together they walked back to the boat. That's pretty good. Then he got in the boat, and Jesus said to him, My sovereignty has allowed you to walk on the water today. No, he didn't say that. He looked at Peter and said, why did you doubt? In other words, when he began to sink, why did he sink? Well, if doubt caused him to sink, what caused him to walk on the water then? Nothing's mentioned here about the sovereignty of God. God sometimes makes some people walk on the water, and some people he drowns. No. Peter believed Jesus' word. When Jesus said, come, he knew that authorized him to be able to do what Jesus was doing, which was to walk on the water. He believed. And he acted upon what he believed. Now think about it. There were 12 altogether, 12 disciples. Where were the rest of them? The rest of them were still on the boat. They didn't act on it. They didn't, they didn't say, go, Lord, can I come too? Come. Okay. I mean, they could have all been out on the water. But they all stayed in the boat. Peter acted on it. And so he experienced something they didn't experience. Why did Peter experience something they didn't experience? Well, you know, God gives some experiences to some people and to other people. You know, he does other things and they don't need that kind of an experience and things like, no, 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 no. No, no, stop putting it all off on God. God puts it all off on us. He says, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. According to what? Your faith. Not the sovereignty of God. Thank God God is a sovereign God. 
And God, in his sovereignty, has given us authority in his word to be able to do the impossible. To do the impossible. Remember, Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. We know all things are possible for God, but God. Jesus said all things are possible to him that believes. See, he puts that on us. He says, if you believe without doubting, all things are possible to you. In other words, no limits. No limits. <clears throat> I'm not there yet. I might be before the end of this service today. I'm not going to put any limits on God. Right? We're growing in our faith. Growing in our understanding of him. But the only limits that are on our life are limits that doubt and unbelief places upon us, not what God places on us. God does not say, now hold back there, Peter. Who do you think you are? Thinking you're going to get out of the boat and walk on the water. What do you think you are? You prideful thing. Get down in the cabin. Did he do that? He said, can I come on? Yeah, come. Come on out. He gets out of the water. He's walking on the water with him. And then... His doubt caused him to sink. You know, it's your doubt that causes you to go without. Hey, God, stop whining and start learning. Stop whining, start learning. Why don't, we, why don't we go to the Bible instead of whining to God? Why don't we go to the Word of God? That's a tweet right there. <laughs> instead of whining to God, let's, <clears throat> let's go to the Word of God. Because faith comes by hearing the word. And the word will change the situation, not your whining. People whine and whine and whine. And then they say, well, we prayed. We prayed. We've been praying about it, brother. We've been praying. We've been praying things are going to change. Well, have you been learning? Have you been learning about God? See? It's about learning about him because faith comes by the word and faith overcomes the storms. Faith changes things. Faith transforms your life. Faith will change the circumstances that you're facing in life. Faith will change everything. So if if there's lack, what do we need to get? We need to get a hold of faith, which means we need to get a hold of the word of God. We need to get understanding of what the word says. Hallelujah. Then we won't sink. And see, some people, they get the blessing of God. God blesses their life, and they get out there, and they walk on the water a little ways with God. And uh, they experience the blessing of God, and you see God moving in their life, and then somewhere about halfway down there, we don't see him anymore. And we think, what happened to Charlie? I mean, God was moving great in his life. Well, what happened to Peter? What happened to Peter? Well, God needed another flower in his garden in heaven. So he gave Peter the plunge. <laughs> Is that what happened? No. He took Peter outside and now he's swimming with the fishes. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. What happened? Doubt. Doubt is a thief that will rob you of the greater blessings of God in your life. Doubt is the thief. It'll rob you of God's greater blessing, of God's best. 
of the higher things he has for you in life. Let's not go halfway. Let's not just go part of the way. Let's go all the way. Why don't we just get fanatical in faith? I mean, it is the victory over the world. Why don't we just get fanatical about the thing that causes us to always triumph and always win in life? Why don't we just get excited about our faith in God? Hallelujah. Praise God. And I mean excited. Excited. We need to be excited. It's not just revival. It's greater things. It's even greater things. Like a transformed life. A transformed life where we're walking like Jesus. Like we're walking like Jesus. That's what God wants us to do. Water, water walkers. Walking by faith. Not being moved by what we see. Not being moved by what we hear or what we feel. Only moved by the word of God. If God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Now, I've heard people say, you know, because that's kind of a, a saying. I think, I think Kenneth Hagin kind of coined that, that phrase. I believe it. If God said it. I believe it. That settles it. And then a little smart Alex come along. And they say, God said it. It don't matter whether you believe it or not. That settles it. God said it. Well, yes and no. God believing it settles it for God, but does it settle it for you? Not until you believe it. God, excuse me, I think I said that right. Did I say it right? Did I say believe it? God saying it doesn't settle it for you until you believe it. So you have to believe it. God's word is settled in heaven, the Bible says. But is it settled in your heart? What do you mean settled? Packed down. Solid, not being tossed around, not uncertain, not moved, not shaken. I mean settled. Settled. Now, we go through the storms of life. We all do. We all will. Jesus went through storms. But as you go through the storms of life, looking to him, exercising your faith, Throwing the doubt overboard. Sometimes you got to do that. You know, you're out in the storm, out there in the boat of life. And uh, you know what the Bible says, but man, the boat is like weighted down with doubt, with human reasoning, with fear of what's going to happen, expectations of how this thing's going to turn out, a memory of how it turned out bad for other people. We've seen this thing happen before. I've read it in the newspaper. I've watched it on the news. I've seen these disasters take out people. Oh, we got all this information going through our head, producing all this doubt in the boat, but we continue to turn to the Word. We continue to turn to the Word, and we continue to throw the doubt overboard. Continue to shovel it overboard. Just throw it overboard. Throw it overboard. Throw it overboard. Throw it overboard. Like the Boston Tea Party, you know. Just throw, just smashing and... Throwing everything, just, just angry. Just no more doubt on this boat. Only believing. This is a believing boat. This isn't a doubting boat. This is a believing boat. And you throw everything, throw everything overboard that is lies and deceitful and everything that's telling you that's contrary to the Word of God until you're just settled. Settled. Peace. Peace be still. And we go through life 
in peace. Margaret can't get you worked up. Harold can't get you worked up. Your finances can't get you worked up. Settled. (sighs) Why don't you do that with me? Ready? (sighs) Don't that feel good? Hallelujah. Sounds like a relief. Some people, they do that after they get, you know, after the storm settles down. You know, the storm settles down. Thank God we made it. How about right in the middle of the storm? (sighs) Thank God we're making it. Hallelujah. Thank God we're going over. Why wait? Why wait till the storm settles down? Why don't you go ahead and enjoy the peace of the Lord now? The rest of faith now. Enjoy it now. Enjoy the ride. Get into peace on the inside. Get in peace on the inside. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. There's a scripture that comes to mind. Let's see if I can locate it quick. It's in Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 6, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. What does God want to do in your life? Well, God wants to humble you. No. God don't humble people. God don't humble people. God's in the exalting business. God wants to exalt you. He wants to exalt you. Humbling circumstances will come. Not everybody's humbled by them. Some people are just ruined by them. But things will try to humble you that you've allowed to dominate you because of pride, because of resisting God. So here, you, you do something contrary to God, what you sow, you reap, and then now this, this thing that you sowed has grown up is now trying to beat you down. Create what we call, or what others call, a humbling experience. It's not God. Well, God allowed that to happen because God needed to humble them. No, no, no. What does he say about humility? Therefore, humble yourselves. God, God's not doing your job. Humble yourselves. How many people know, if you're going to breathe, it's because... You are going to breathe. If you're going to go to church, you're, it's because you're going to go to the church. It's not because God is going to pick you up and put you in the church. If you decide today I'm not going to church, then you're not going to church. If tomorrow morning you decide I'm not going to work, then you're not going to work. So you see, there's things that God has given us, he's given man to do. We have responsibilities. So we're responsible for things. So this is one of those responsibilities. I'm not going to work. God says, yes, you are. You're supposed to be at work today, and you're, bless me, you're going to work. And God just, God just pick you up by the nap of the neck and just throw you behind the desk. And you're sitting there behind the desk saying, it's the sovereignty of God. He's taking my hands and putting me on the keyboard. You're going to have to do it. You're going to have to do it. So he says, humble yourselves. 
Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Now, does that sound like a threat? Some people don't see it that way. Under the mighty hand of God. That's what they... It's the mighty hand of God. No, no, he tells you what the mighty hand will do. He tells you what the mighty hand will do. He's not going to look at it come down on you. What's the mighty hand of God going to do? It's going to exalt you. It's going to exalt you. It's going to lift you up. He's going to bring you up. He's got a mighty enough hand, my friend, to lift you up. Stop lifting yourself up. Stop exalting yourself. Stop trying to protect yourself. Stop trying to be the man or be the woman and let God do it. Because he can do it a whole lot easier and a whole lot better. So stop carrying the cares of life and all the worries because you're the one that's responsible for everything. You got the weight on your shoulder and you pride yourself in carrying the weight on your shoulders. (laughs) Mr. Atlas, right? It's not bad. You're carrying the weight on your shoulders, you know, and you pride yourself on it. All that I have to do, all that I have to do. It's like, why don't you humble yourself and say, all that God is doing, all that God is doing. Oh, God's got that covered. God's going to help us through that. That, You see, again, God having it covered doesn't mean no responsibility on us. That just means God's going to lead us. God's going to help us. God's going to guide us. God's going to get us through this thing. He's going to help us get over to the other side. God is with us. God is working. I don't have to carry all the cares. And that's what he says in verse 7. So let's go back to verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for or because he cares for you. He cares so much for you. That he says, you can trust him with all the things that concern you. There's a scripture that says, he will perfect that which concerns you. He will perfect that which concerns me. He's, he's, he's perfecting things in our life right now. As we trust him. Now if you're still, whatever you're carrying, that's yours. But whatever you can cast on him and trust him with, it's his. And he will carry that care for you. He will care about that thing for you because he careth for you. He loves you. He cares about you. Isn't that good news? Well, I don't know about me. Well, if you're reading the Bible and looking at the Scripture, then he's talking to you. He's talking to whoever's looking at this word right here. Why would you limit yourself? Well, you don't know what I've done. You, know, you don't know what he did on the cross to eliminate what you've done. He died a gruesome death to wash you clean of what you've done. He wants you wearing his righteousness now. Oh, hallelujah. Can we go through life without a care in the world? Yeah, if we'll cast him on him. And notice he said all your cares. He didn't just say some of it. You know, it's kind of like here, Gene and I, we were going down to Florida. We were driving down to the Panhandle a number of years ago. And we're going down there for vacation. Just get down there and get on the beach and enjoy ourselves. And we're real close now. We entered into Florida, you know, we're driving on that road. And we look over and there's a church. And they had a sign out front. And it said, 
God gave you shoulders so that you can bear the burdens of life. I thought that just ruined my vacation. I mean, I'm going to the beach with the burdens of life. That's enough to sink you out there in the ocean. I ain't going out of no water, man. I ain't going out in the water with all these burdens. I'll end up like Peter at the bottom. Swimming with the fishes, you know. It's terrible. That's what the church said. God gave you shoulders so you can bear the burdens of life. Dear Lord. What a religious lie. And all the vacationers have to read that going down there. Bless God. It's like, let's get away. Let's go on vacation. Let's get away from the church. They make you, they make you, they, 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 they tell us that God's going to make you bear all the burdens of life. Well, it's not the Bible. It's not the Bible. God didn't give you shoulders to bear the burdens of life. If he gave you the whole, shoulders for anything, it's for the Holy Spirit to be upon you. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God to rest upon you. Casting all your care, not some of it, all your care upon him. For he cares for you. Be sober. In other words, don't be drunk with the cares of life. There's people that are just, they're just intox, stumbling around just with the cares of life. And that's why a lot of people do do drugs. That's why people smoke funny things. Drink strange things. Why did they do that? To escape the cares of life. To escape. I got a much better escape for you. It ain't the wine and the spirits at the liquor store. It's the wine and spirit of the Holy Spirit of the living God. Be sober. Be vigilant. Watchful. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may do. See, he's the problem maker. He's the troublemaker. The devil is. But the Bible goes on and says, resist him steadfast in the faith. Woo, hallelujah. Man, faith is a devil resistor. When you're in faith, you're in devil resistant power. The Bible says in Ephesians, take up the whole armor of God, especially, what? The shield of of faith. Why? Because it quenches. Come on. Every fiery dart of the wicked one. Every fiery dart. What does? The shield of faith. And faith will enable you to resist whatever temptation, whatever lie, whatever thing the devil would try to throw at you. It's just, it's just sinfully delicious. That's something a whole lot better, friend. Remember we said last time, (laughs) sin is fake fun. It's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit. The devil's giving you a counterfeit and he's robbing you from fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Sure, he'll give you a thrill, but then you'll probably have to take a pill. After a while, you know, (laughs) take another pill. But he'll keep giving you the thrill. But no, it's a counterfeit to fullness of joy. Everybody say fullness of joy. Man, that's full joy. Full joy. I don't think we've ever experienced that before. 
Now, we've touched on that a little bit, you know. We've had some meetings, you know. We've had some times in the presence of God where, I mean, you laugh until your cheeks feel like they're just going to just fall off your face. Yeah, you just, you just laugh. Your cheeks are just in pain. It's like, <laughs> stop by laughing. You just, your flesh can hardly handle it. What's this fullness of joy like? Fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. I really believe that's why we're going to need resurrected bodies when we stand before the Lord. We're going to see him in all his glory. And in his presence is fullness of joy. Pleasures forevermore. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't handle it in your physical body. The pleasure, the joy, oh, the fun, the happiness, the cheerfulness. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you, your smile will just come right off your face. Something's going to snap, you know? Ah. Everybody say fullness of joy. And pleasures forevermore. See, the devil, devil gives us all these counterfeit things. Oh, it's sinfully, it's sinfully delicious. Oh, please. Please. God is del- delicious, delightful, awesome, amazing. God's incredible. His word is as sweet as the honeycomb, the Bible says. Huh? Yeah. So, you know, so God gives us a faith that can easily resist the devil. Resist the devil. He comes at you with the temptations, and he'll come where, you know, he knows you've been weak in the past. He'll revisit things. He'll revisit old wounds. Try to stir up bitterness and get anger going. And do you remember what they did to you 10 years ago? Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, you know, somebody, somebody, you know, in your life, they just say something wrong, and the devil comes up the list and says, now, they did that wrong, but look what else they did. The last 20 years, look at this. Look at this. And then you take the last 20 years, and you explode over this little thing, and they look at you like, all I said was, let's not go there. That's all I said. No, that's not all you said. I've heard many things. You know, the devil just piles it on. He piles it on. So he said, thank God for faith. Come on, it's the victory over the devil. He ain't nothing to faith, praise God. He tried everything on our master, the Lord Jesus. Jesus was tempted at every point. Yet without sin, never bowed his knee to the devil once. And that same faith that is in Jesus is in the word of God. And that same faith is in us. And it's growing in us. Praise God. As we get in that word and understand him more and more and more, we're rising up to a place of faith where nothing moves us. Nothing moves us. The Bible says we can get to the place in 1 John. It says where the wicked one touches us not. Ooh, I like that. Where the wicked one touches us not. That's a good place to get to. I want to look at it. Hold your place in First Peter if you want to come with me. Somebody say, you can't touch this. Ooh. It's uh, 1 John 5, verse 18. We know that whoever is born of God, or born again, does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself, guards himself, 
and the wicked one does not touch him. Notice that. The wicked one, what? Does not touch him. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Think about that. whole world around you lies under the sway of the wicked one. But he touches us, us not. He can't touch us. He can't touch this. Praise God. Somebody say the devil can't touch this. Why? Because you're guarded through your faith. Your faith protects you. Your faith protects you. What's going to protect us in these last days? We see all these evils multiplying on the face of the earth. Men becoming more and more wicked. We see even in our own nation so many terrible things happening and so many things coming together to, to, to make life very, very difficult for us. But should we fear? No, because God's bigger. God's greater. He's greater than all. And we see that in the book of Acts, you know, the early church. <laughs> book of Acts and the series that we're in. The early church, you know. I mean, they were taken, they were arrested, they imprisoned. Later on, you'll see, they were beaten. Man, these guys didn't bow. They weren't shook. They were, that, that didn't shake them at all. Being thrown in jail did not shake them. Being severely threatened did not shake them. I mean, you, you, you we're going to get over into that in Acts chapter 4. I mean, they were severely threatened. But they weren't shook at all. They came together. They said, God, look on their threats. And grant to your servants that with all boldness. Just give us more boldness. Just make us more bold, God. Strengthen us in our faith. They didn't back down. They weren't shook. We don't have to be shook. Think about that. We do not have to be shook no matter what's going on in life. We do not have to be shook. Can you say amen? amen. All right, so coming back. He says, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. This is verse 7 of 1 Peter 5. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Settle you. So the storms of life come. They're going to come because we live in a cursed earth. We're blessed, but the earth is under a curse. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Obviously, if you're living in a place that is completely under the sway of the wicked one, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have adversity. You're going to have things that are contrary to life, contrary to peace and joy that are going to be coming against your life. That's a part of being down here. And so there is a suffering in the flesh through these things. But as we go through these things, these uncomfortable places in faith, looking to God, what's it doing to us? It's perfecting us. It's actually God working in us through these things. He doesn't bring things to perfect us. The storms of life come because the earth is under a curse, because of sin, because of man's sin. But God says he will perfect. As you go through these things, you will become perfect, established, strengthened, and settled. 
Hallelujah. Settled. That's a sure sign of spiritual maturity when you get to the place where you're completely settled and nothing rattles you anymore. Nothing rattles you anymore. You could just look and say, it's uncomfortable. My flesh is suffering through it, but it is well. We're getting through it. I got peace like a river in my heart. It is well, it is well, it is well with my soul. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Oh, praise God. Why don't you just thank the Lord for that? Glory be to God. Oh, we bless you, Father, for that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.